Welcome to the Self Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. You might know me from my Human Magnet Syndrome book or my Codependency Cure and the Healing the Inner Trauma Child Treatment Program. If you identify as being codependent or what I call self-love deficient, or you consider yourself an empath or a survivor of narcissistic abuse, or if you just have been held back by your life, by your circumstances, or more sadly, a person, say a pathological narcissist, this is the place to be. I will bring my personal and professional experience to help you overcome the biggest and for some the most tragic obstacles. I am committing to giving you the very best information I know that I believe will resonate with both your experience as well as your future dreams. So sit back, enjoy, and let's make this world a better place, one self-love abundant person at a time. Today, I'm going to talk about the other side of the human magnet syndrome. But before I proceed, let me tell you what most of you already know. The human magnet syndrome explains why SLDs, people who are self-love deficient or who have self-love deficit disorder. Now, you should know if you are new to my channel, that is the, the name that I created to replace codependence and codependency. So normally, I explain why the SLDs are always attracted to narcissists and that why despite their promises to themselves, they can't leave the narcissist. They're stuck in that relationship. And if the relationship should end, they inevitably find the next narcissist along a very long line or a pattern of relationships with pathological narcissists. But today I'm going to talk about why the narcissist, the person with pathological narcissism, as I explained in my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, that includes one of three personality disorders, narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder, or the sociopath. Why these th three types of pathological narcissists suffer intensely, immensely, if and when the relationship should end. To understand self-love deficit disorder, you have to understand that many therapists treat the symptoms of it, therefore cannot solve, resolve the problem. And I talk about this approach to psychotherapy as Band-Aid therapy. I explain that in my codependency cure treatment program, SLDD can only be resolved or cured if you understand its origins and the, the levels of the problem or the disorder and how it manifests in each level. So very quickly, let me go through this. And, and please look at this diagram over here. At the very bottom of the pyramid is the cause of SLDD. It's attachment trauma. And that is the trauma, the childhood trauma, that in a child whose parents are a pathological narcissist and an SLD, of course, the human magnet syndrome relationship, uh, it is the trauma that a child experiences at the hands of a narcissistic parent. That attachment trauma is the neglect, the abuse, the deprivation, the um, difficult adapting to an environment where you're only seen and loved if you should make the narcissist happy. And if you are to become a future SLD, you figured out a way to be an extension to the narcissist, to be valuable, the trophy, the good child. And if you've found a way to do that, you get the conditional love that might be morsels or crumbs, 
but is much, much more than other people who tend to aggravate, upset, or who create narcissistic rage or narcissistic injuries in the narcissist. So at the very, at the very bottom of the pyramid is the cause of SLDD, and that is the attachment trauma caused in childhood. From the attachment trauma comes the creation of core shame, and that's the belief of being fundamentally broken fundamentally not good enough, fundamentally invisible. The core shame permeates everything about the SLD. More often than not, it is at least 50% conscious. In other words, the SLD often considers their lack of worth and this feeling of being fundamentally broken in most relationships that often manifest in them not wanting to leave because they just don't believe anyone will love them as they truly are. The SLD believes that they're fundamentally broken. Therefore, when they're abused or neglected or hurt by a narcissist, they believe that they either deserve it or if they should leave, they won't find anyone else that could actually love them. From this core shame is pathological loneliness. Now, that is what I call an existential disease. That is the feeling of intense loneliness, intense isolation, intense emptiness, either when you're in or outside of a relationship. The pathological loneliness is bone achingly painful. It feels like a physical weight and stress. SLDs explain it as some of the worst pain they've experienced. It is directly connected to the core shame, which is connected to the attachment trauma. It is this feeling that in a world where you are fundamentally broken, so you believe that no one can love you and that if you are yourself and you should want everything that you believe you deserve, you won't get it. Therefore, you have to somehow mold yourself to the expectations of a narcissist so that you don't suffer the fate of this deeply painful pathological loneliness. From the pathological loneliness comes what I call SLDD addiction. And that is the compulsive, habitual, very difficult habit to break where you need to be in a relationship. And if you don't, you suffer intense withdrawal symptoms. Let me remind you, the withdrawal symptoms are no different than any other addiction. This is why I call it an addiction. It has all of the trademark symptoms. SLDs who are addicted describe pain and agony when they try to stop their drug of choice. And in the case of the SLD, it's the drug of choice is to be in a relationship. Now, people confuse my explanation on addiction. It's not an addiction to narcissists. It's an addiction to a relationship to take away the pain of pathological loneliness that is caused by the core shame and originally created by the attachment trauma. The pathological loneliness is the primary withdrawal symptom. And it's important to know because it is almost impossible to an SLD to break away from the addiction, the self-love deficit disorder, or some people call my, my ideas the codependency addiction, if they're not ready to overcome the withdrawal symptoms. In the very top of the pyramid, the next level is the disorder, self-love deficit disorder. That is the behavioral, emotional and thinking patterns 
that are typical of a person with self-love deficit disorder. It's what people come to therapy for. It's what people complain about. It's what people seek help with. And you've heard my videos, hopefully, and if not, um, there'll be information um, in the description of this video, how to get this information. Or if you've read my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, you understand the problem is real, but to go to psychotherapy and identify that, identify the problem as the reason for psychotherapy and have the therapist work on that, it's Band-Aid therapy. You're working on symptoms. So at the very top of the pyramid is the SLD in a relationship with a narcissist and behaving as an SLD. With this explanation, you should now understand why SLDs fall prey to narcissists. So now I want to explain why narcissists struggle, suffer, agonize over losing a relationship with an SLD. As I teach in my self-love recovery treatment program, and that is a 10-stage program that specifically prepares a person for every stage necessary to overcome their self-love deficit disorder, overcome the relationships that they're compelled to be in, overcome the pressures and the countervailing forces that keep them in that relationship, that teaches them how to set boundaries, how to move forward after the relationships end, and how to move upwards and forward into self-love abundance, which is the codependency cure. My 10-stage self-love recovery treatment program was designed for SLDs, not for narcissists. And that is explained in many, many videos, but I will succinctly say that pathological narcissists have personality disorders, and the personality disorder generally is responsible for their inability to understand that they have a problem, to admit fault, to seek help, to want feedback. They tend to blame others for their problems, because of this blindness, this personality disordered myopia, they won't seek treatment or therapy. So the self-love recovery treatment program is extremely effective in treating and curing SLDD. In stage five of my 10-stage program, which is called setting boundaries in a hostile environment, the SLDs are ready and equipped to set boundaries with narcissists, which generally uh, would generally cause massive losses of relationships. I use my Surgeon General warning. If you proceed to stage five, setting boundaries in a hostile environment, you will lose between 75 and 85% of the people that you thought you loved or who you thought loved you. So in the process of moving forward and uh, completing stage five, you set the boundaries and you lose almost all, if not most, of the people that you are in a relationship with. For the pathological narcissist, they freak out. So why do narcissists freak out? Why do they get so upset? Why do they do almost everything and anything to stop the SLD from leaving them? Why do they try to destroy them should the SLD leave them? So we understand the pyramid, the attachment trauma, the core shame, the pathological loneliness, the addiction, and SLDD. What I've never talked about before is how the pyramid applies to narcissists or pathological narcissists as well. 
because I don't treat narcissists, I don't talk that much about it. So let's look at the pyramid and see how it applies to pathological narcissism. Attachment trauma. The pathological narcissist experience exponentially worse attachment trauma than the child who is going to be an SLD. So if you've read in my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, and watched my educational videos, you should know already that a child who is from a narcissistic parent who figures out a way to mold themselves to fit the narcissist parent's needs gets conditional love, gets to be the trophy child, the, the pleasing child, so they get something. But the child who cannot make the narcissist happy is extremely, hugely disappointing, aggravating, enraging. This child aggravates and angers the narcissistic parent so much, it is subject to constant narcissistic rage, abandonment, neglect, and all sorts of abuse. Now, if you're an SLD and you're watching this video and you have siblings, you know what I'm talking about. As I, as I talk about in my chapter one in my book, that if you are from a family where there's a pathological narcissist and a codependent parent, the probability is almost 99% that you're going to become either a codependent or an SLD or a pathological narcissist. And that without any treatment, you're going to pass it on to the next generation. So you only go one of two ways when you come from a family like this. The child who cannot be the pleasing trophy child, the extension to the narcissist, is seen as the enemy, the black sheep, the bad seed. And like I said, if you are an SLD and you have siblings, you know just as well as I know, there's only two directions, two possibilities for you and your siblings to move towards SLDD or pathological narcissism. And you witnessed how your sibling was horrendously treated and if you were gaslit as a child, you might have also, you might have believed the false narrative of your sibling being this bad person, this angry person, this manipulative person. What happens if you are the child who is the focus, the object of the narcissist's fury, who is constantly a recipient of narcissistic rage, the narcissistic injuries, you are going to grow up with incredible attachment trauma. And the trauma is going to be so gargantuan that your brain, your mind will not be able to process it and it bottles it up. It encases it metaphorically in, in, in lead and it moves it into a part of your brain where you don't remember the thoughts or the feelings of what happened to you as a child and you don't think about or have any long-term memories of your childhood. We call that disassociation. Some people call it repression. It explains why narcissists do not remember or talk about their childhood. It explains why they have almost a delusional, highly distorted version of their childhood because if they did remember what actually happened, it would be too big and too large for their ego, their psyche, their brain to manage. So they're either going to forget their childhood, not have access to it, or come up with this false narrative, these ridiculously syrupy and almost uh, inverted 
uh, stories of what happened to them as a child. And they tend to idolize the people that hurt them. So the narcissist attachment trauma is so bad, it is relegated to the subconscious, um, it's repressed, it's dissociated, and it's not available um, to their conscious mind, which again explains why psychotherapy does not work with pathological narcissists. Anyone who lives with one or any psychotherapist who works with one knows full well why they cannot remember the pain and why it's so much easier to paint with broad strokes this positive picture of their family and their childhood. So moving on to the next level of the pyramid, that is core shame. Core shame for an SLD is difficult, it's horrible, but SLDs can remember it. More often than not, I believe that the core shame is 50% conscious. For some SLDs, it's more, and some that it's less. The core shame for the narcissist, because the attachment trauma was so incredibly, monumentally, overwhelmingly difficult for the brain to manage, the core shame also is too big for the brain to manage, to process, to remember. So it is also repressed or disassociated in the same part of the brain as the attachment trauma. The pathological narcissist, more often than not, mostly, cannot access their core shame. They can't go there. So what we know about the narcissist is that they project, they blame others. And when they use these defense mechanisms that are designed to protect their very, very fragile ego, they are constantly in denial. See, an SLD with their core shame that they can consciously manage, although painfully, they don't deny it and they will talk to you about it, that, that they dislike themselves, they hate themselves, because of their conscious abilities to reflect on it, have the potential to solve it in psychotherapy. But their narcissistic partners cannot, will not, and should never because they'll fall apart, so they can't go there. So instead, they see themselves in this grandiose, entitled, and delusional manner, which they feel better, more deserving, more entitled than other people, because to connect to their core shame, they would fall apart. And that explains why psychotherapy doesn't work. That explains why confronting a narcissist with problems never works, why they don't have insight and why they don't admit to their problems, because they can't. They really can't. Now, I'm not trying to create sympathy for the narcissist. I'm just trying to explain something. So moving up the pyramid, then we go to pathological loneliness. The narcissist experiences worse pathological loneliness. Remember, every part of the pyramid is worse for the pathological narcissist. The pathological loneliness, that existential uh, pain, that, that bone aching, severely distressing and painful feeling of emptiness and loneliness and a void in, in the world in which you want to be connected to, is exponentially worse for the narcissist. So if we understand the SLD's pathological loneliness, then we could also understand that if a narcissist should end a relationship, more often than not, um, should be subject to the person ending it with them, the no contact, the breakup, the divorce, their experience of pathological loneliness is just huge. And the pain that they experience cannot be compared to the pain of the person with SLDD. So we've now gone over how the attachment trauma is exponentially worse, as is the 
as is the core shame, as is the pathological loneliness. Now let's talk about the addiction. It's the same also. The narcissist is addicted to the SLD for the same reasons, but the stakes are so much higher. Understand that the core shame is worse, which is it's repressed, disassociated, unconscious. Understand that the pathological loneliness, which is conscious, is exponentially worse. Then the addiction is going to be worse. Think about it. And let's use a common addiction. For example, to narcotics. If a person is addicted to paint pills, say Vicodin, Percocet, the withdrawal symptoms are going to be very bad. They're going to be very painful. But if they are addicted to a more pure form of a narcotic, an opiate, say heroin, the withdrawal symptoms are going to be nearly impossible to overcome. The same is with this addiction. The narcissist is going to have worse withdrawal symptoms beyond what the SLD is going to experience. With the unbearable withdrawals, the narcissist has to do something, anything, to take the pain away because they experience this internal psychological distress that is psychologically, existentially obliterated. All they know is the pain. All they know is they must, they have to find a way to get the codependent, the SLD back in a relationship or their pain to go away. They will do almost anything. Add this to their lack of insight, their grandiosity, their entitlement, their personality disorder. So you have this loneliness, this addiction, and this need to make the pain go away. They will use every strategy, every tool, every weapon in their arsenal, their manipulative, abusive, gaslighting arsenal to draw the SLD back have now an explanation for why they go through incredible mental, psychological, social, personal, emotional gymnastics to draw in, entrap, punish, torture, gaslight the SLD either back into the relationship. And if they cannot succeed, then they will do almost anything to destroy them because going through the pyramid, we have the attachment trauma, the horrible core shame, the loneliness, the addiction, because of the sum total of these processes, they cannot, will not ever be able to consciously process the reason for why SLD left them. Therefore, they have to blame coerce, manipulate, do almost anything to get the SLD back. So they don't have to come to terms with who they are, what they did, and the consequences of that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. 
it's your birthright.